All right, here we are, a playoff fever edition of the Hardwood Huddle. I am your host and tour guide, Randy Zellier from BackSportsPage.com. With me, as always, the basketball matter, the be- the basketball master. Sorry, he is a Jedi. He is a hoops knight. He is the man, Bill Ingram. And I guess if Bill is the basketball master, would Tracy be our Mandalorian? Tracy Graven joining the show right now. Um, I think we'll call Tra- Tra- Tracy's our Han Solo. I think that's the best way of saying it. He's got to be season one and two Mandalorian, not season three Mandalorian, just to be clear. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I if Tracy. Indiana Jones because I think Han Solo got killed a couple films ago. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. All right. All right. So he's our. I'll do that one. I'll do it over. He is our Indiana Jones. He is our uh, our adventurer. He is the guy who, uh, you know, predicted Shaquille O'Neal was going to get traded. He is Tracy Craven, and we are talking NBA playoffs right now, guys. Uh, as we record this, uh, I got to tell you, the play-in tournament has lived up to the hype. This, uh, I think, this year, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the New Orleans Pelicans last night played a classic. The, the Raptors and the Bulls played a classic game, and then the Lakers in Minnesota had a great game the night before. I never felt like Miami – I never you never felt like Miami really had that shot against the Atlanta Hawks coming back, uh, getting, cutting it to five in that opening. But everything else has been really, 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 really close. Uh, Bill, I'll start with you. What are your, what's your takeaway of the first, first two days of the play-in tournament this year? Well, like you said, they're exciting games. That's the goal. And there's been a lot of parity in the NBA this year, really, with the exception of like maybe two through ten. There's been a lot, especially in the West, there's been a lot of parity. So, um, but if, if somebody had told me Kyle Lowry was going to score, and I love Kyle, I'm on record, that's one of my guys. But 31 points, maybe if he'd have said he was going to score 31 points in the entire month of March. I might have been there, but that was a heroic, um, probably sort of last big effort from Kyle to make that game really competitive. But uh, it looked like Trey Young sort of has been, you know, he's hearing the rumors. You know, he's, if management hasn't told him, they've certainly told us uh, that he's gone. It's certainly obvious to anybody who's watching that they've narrowed it down to what the problem is. And it, it seems to be him. And not unlike, conversations happening in Dallas right now, although they're not at a trade Luca point. But you identified that yeah, you can put up amazing points. Does it contribute to a win? And if and, you know if so, how often? So we saw Trey, maybe that was his last ditch effort. Um, but hey, you want the game to be competitive. That's where a team like Oklahoma City, which is to me the darling I mean, when you've spent this much time losing games and and accumulating draft picks and making the right draft picks and the right kind of development, this is how it's supposed to be done. Is the way Oklahoma City Sam Presti has done. Tracy, of course, was courtside in Oklahoma City for a long, long time, and and uh, we both know Sam Presti quite well. And for me, it's great. You get a chance to see the Thunder. You know, here getting number one pick back will be huge, but uh, it's nice to see them really get some winning under their belt. Tracy, kind of jump in on that. Well, I forgot to throw this into my piece last night, but 
for KD to go out there with Phoenix and, uh, you know, be impressed by the young kids that Presley's put together in Oklahoma City, even as scrappy as it was last night, for KD to walk away out of Oklahoma City last week and say, now that's a group I'd like to play with. That says a lot more than people realize. And it shows that, um, you know, Mark is doing a great job coaching that team. Uh, he's in his third year. You know, he started off very rough, got better last year, and then this year, you know, nearly hit the 500 mark with really what's uh, a scrappy lineup. I mean, you know, uh, they, they got Chet Holmgren. He went out with that uh, that foot injury, been gone all season. Um, Pokey really hasn't materialized a lot because of injuries here and there. So if this team ever gets strong and cohesive, they'll be a lot better than people want to want to admit. I, I think my biggest takeaway um, is how undisciplined Minnesota was not being able to close out the Lakers because, man, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, you have to be smarter than the way you were playing the other night. Yes, he, he, had, a, he had a heck of a game when he was in there, but when he picked up his fifth foul, it was like one of those fouls where you scratch your heads going like, you're, you're better than this. Um, well, I think – go ahead. I, I think Bill and I jinxed the, the Timberwolves the other night because we were texting back and forth about Kyle Anderson. And honestly, I felt that Anderson was the one who really cost them that game. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Bill and I have spoke about it on this show, and I've been very uh, vocal about it on how it's not working between Towns and Gobert. It's, there's Sometimes you make a move and you're like, well, this is going to make them – different and it's going to keep them uh, it's going to make them seem a little bit of a, a Mitch Max. I mean, you're going to have to be, if you're not hitting your shots, you're going to be in trouble against a team like this. And this just didn't work out that way. The, it's too many, too many uh, cooks in the kitchen. Anthony Edwards is not getting the points that he, you know, that we thought he was going to be able to score. It's just, it, it's a bad, it's a bad mix. It happens uh, when you, every once in a while where you just put a team together and you're like, well, on paper, this is not NBA 2K, like Bill always likes to say. This is not NBA 2K. You can't put you can't put this type of combo together. And it's not working. And now that one of them was not on the court, Anthony Edwards did not look good in that in that game the other night. So he has one more shot at redemption. Not to not to quote Paul Simon from You Can Call Me Out. You can call me out, but man, you got one more shot at redemption to uh really Get in there, get that eight seed. And by the way, congratulations! You get the eight seed. You get the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, That's I don't know how about chemistry, right? When 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 it all blew up in Utah, and nobody was really talking about it, and they traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, we found out where the problem was. It was not with Donovan Mitchell because Cleveland has looked damn good at a lot of stretches, including down the stretch this year. Where in Minnesota, there's been a lot more just weird stuff, not just D'Angelo Russell's witchcraft, fear of mirrors and all that crazy stuff, but Gobert doing things that are that really are destructive to team chemistry, and you don't win games without chemistry. I don't care what talent you have, but you have a real tough decision to make because Carl Anthony Towns has taken you as far as he can take you, which is basically the lottery. And... As you alluded to, he doesn't make the right plays at the right times. He, he doesn't make winning plays. He'll score a bunch of points and grab rebounds, but when the game really matters, he doesn't make the right decisions. And it's very hard to build a team around a guy like that. 
So is Anthony Edwards going to be that guy? Because Rudy Gobert is not going to be that guy. We already know that about him. And if not, then, man, you just wasted a whole bunch of money and assets to acquire this guy to only have landed kind of in the same spot. Yeah. Go ahead, Tracy. I know you wanted to jump in on that. Well, I, I was just going to say I'm waiting for the next round on that one because I'm just so anxious to see uh, John Morant and um, Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks take out the Lakers. I mean, that's their their goal. They said it from day one uh, that, you know, when the playoffs started rounding into the matchups, they, they said they want to be the one to take the Lakers out. And by all means, I'm looking forward to that. I think the only team I like watching – uh, lose more than the Dallas Cowboys is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> well, I got I got to tell you though, you know, the the Wolves had the opportunity to uh, push the Lakers to go for the eighth seed, and having Denver and the Lakers would have been a lot of fun. But I, I got to tell you, Bill and I said it a lot during the season this year. We didn't know with the Chicago Bulls whether they were underperforming or if last year that they played above their uh, their their expectation level. Last night, again, they played to the Toronto Raptors, which I feel like the Toronto Raptors, it's like a, it's a team of Swiss cheese. A lot of holes in some spots where you really need uh, quality players. You have some decent talent. But I felt like last night was the last hurrah for Nick, Nick uh, Nurse and Van Vliet and uh, Siakam. I feel that that team is going to go through a major blow-up and a major rebuild. I felt like that was the final chapter last night, and I got to tell you, Zach Levine looked like a superstar last night, and Demar Derozan, uh, he was just like, "Yeah, I'm, like, listen, you're 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 um, you're Morris Day and Times, and I'm going to be Jerome, and I'm just going to say, yeah, what Zach said, and that's what De- Demar Derozan did last night, and uh, what a win for the Bulls. But now it gets real difficult as they go into Miami. Well, it does, and you've got the the situation in Miami has been very consistent, and we've talked about it. And Tracy, you you can add your two cents or five dollars worth or whatever. But uh, you've got a team that was built to win two years ago when they won, and now the fact that you had all these older players who, I mean, hey, Udonis Haslam had a big game a couple games ago, and Kyle's had a big game now, but in a playoff series. Most of that team is done. Most of, you know, you've got some younger guys and then you've got super old guys. And as much as, you know, Eric Spolstra is one of the, maybe the best coach in the Eastern Conference between him and Rick Carlisle. Uh, I don't see how the you drag all those people to a first round win. I, I mean, never say never in the NBA, but I don't think Jimmy Butler's that guy anymore. And, and obviously Kyle is not that, is not, the player he was when the Raptors won or even in Miami. And I just think time has caught up with them in a way that's going to be hard to compensate for. Yeah. And they're certainly not going to be able to, uh, I mean, they might, but I mean, you know, the talk already is that Damian Lillard's going to go to Miami and resurrect the franchise, but they said the same thing about Lowry. They said the same thing about Butler and they're just, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, in the, in the summertime, as we approach summertime in Miami, you're talking about a closed window instead of an open window. <laughs> Their window is closing. Um, you talk about Zach Levine's game last night. Everybody goes to Minnesota become to become better elsewhere. Zach Levine is one of those people. Um, he he looked phenomenal last night. But the six man award has to go to uh, Demar Derozan's daughter. Yep. She, <laughs> she helped. She helped uh, Pascal and, yeah. and those guys miss their free throws. 
Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. The problem, um, the problem with Damian Lillard to me, since you brought him up, Tracy, is my man doesn't play. Like, how many games are you going to miss? And I get he he came out about this the other day, and and it's the state of the NBA. You know, when they just when they made the decision to sit him for the rest of the season, and they were talking to him about, are you hurt? And he said, well, I'm not hurt, but there's some metric that says I might get hurt. And so the trainers, it wasn't my decision. I'd go play. I want to play no matter what. But the trainers are telling me I can't play because some metric on some computer screen said I might get hurt. This is where well, we yeah, are. Like, yeah, it is, because we talked about this. You and I have talked about this over the years. I'm sure the, the both of you have talked about it on the show. Analytics is killing it. It is killing it because everybody's believing in the analytics rather than going out there and just playing the game the way they should play. You bring that up, I mean, we can have that conversation about Kawhi. We could have that conversation about Zion Williamson. I mean, Zion Williamson still and always will be the second coming of Oliver Miller to me. Yeah. <laughs> he, does. he does not have the mentality to go above and beyond to get where he should be. He'd rather look at the analytics like Lillard, like Leonard, and just, you know what, I, I need to sit this out until I'm me. Okay. All right, Ben Simmons, part three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, I, it makes it where you're not only the league is becoming unwatchable for that reason, but imagine if you bought tickets to a game and, and inevitably two or three players don't play. You bought tickets. Man, I'm going to see the last home game for the Mavericks. It's going to be Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, and they're going to make the playoffs, and it's going to be a big game. And then you show up, and they're tanking, and nobody plays. Not even Tim Hardaway. Nobody plays. Like, okay. All right. Can I, where do I get my refund, Mark? <laughs> and, and if you're an owner, you don't want to give that refund. That's, you know, well, that's no. ridiculous. You're, you're, you're looking at this going, go ahead, please. I was just going to tell Bill he can get his refund through Mark's uh, Dave app. Yeah. The $75. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, I, I've been, a, I've been, I, I've been a firm believer. I've really been a firm believer of, you know they can. I I've I love Jeff Van Gundy and Jeff Van Gundy uh, can, is just a genius in, in certain situations. And he came out and the other day and said flat flat out the reason why uh, the fans don't care about a lot of this stuff is because the players don't care about a lot of this stuff. And if the players show that they give a crap, it's a whole new ball game. It's really a whole new ball game, and that and that's and that's a problem. Imagine with a play-in tournament now. How many players are going to play in that? LeBron already said he wasn't going to play in a play. Who cares about a? Well, we won the play-in tournament. The what? You did what? Okay. Yeah. Like, like look at the at the end of the day. Uh, and I made a comment to somebody the other day, and, and I've never said this to Bill, but um, I think now the NBA is in a very very tough spot because the, the star the stars that you've been building. The NBA on over the last eight to ten years, the LeBrons, the KDs, the Chris Balls, the Steph Currys—they're now we are now talking about their accolades, not about what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. We are now in a point where we have to, um, you know, we are now at a point where we're getting to no law. We have to start developing who's going to be the next big star of the NBA. I think what happened in Dallas this year really makes me question whether Luca wants to stay in the NBA. When his contract is up, he might pull a Drazen Petrovic and might consider go back overseas. 
because he'll, he'll make his money. He'll make his American money endorsements. But if he's going to say, if this is how the NBA is going to work, where there's going to be call, there's some people are going to get calls, other people are not going to get calls, and things are not going to work the way they, he feels that they're going to work, why should he hang out? Why should he be here? He, Luca doesn't seem like he's the type of guy who needs to be the, the star and have the attention, the, all the attention on him. He just seems like a guy who just wants to play basketball. And lately, that fun exterior of him has not been there. The guy who looks like he's enjoying the game. No, that's very Feel true. I, and I don't think he's, you know, he is, I want to play basketball. That's it. When they were asking him the other day about, oh, are you going to demand a trade? Or, and he was like, his face was just like, I'm here to play basketball. What? Where are you hearing this? I never said that. I just want to play basketball, and I don't play in Dallas. It's fine, you know. And then he said he'd like to play with Kyrie, which I'm not going to say Kyrie Irving is a cancer. He hasn't been a cancer that I have seen in the locker room, or but like some of these other players we're talking about, Kyrie will get his numbers without really helping the team win, and right. that's the case. In Boston, it was the case. It's been the case everywhere he's played, except for in Cleveland. And I, I, I almost feel like we should rename this show. That's right. We're another episode of Who's Kyrie Blowing Up This Week? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the Mavs don't really have a choice but to re-sign him, and that's them praying that he stays. But if he stays, you spend a bunch of money on him, and you can't afford to do anything else. If he leaves, you're not good at getting free. Nobody comes to Dallas anyway. Nobody wants to play in Dallas. I don't know why it is. When Dirk was as great as he was, nobody wanted to play with Dirk. Now nobody wants to play with Luca, except Tim Hardaway Jr. And I don't get it. You, you're, you have that trade put the Mavs in between a rock and a hard place because you're not going to get free agents, so you can't let him walk. But if you pay him, you're not even a playoff team because you, you traded so much to get him I mean, the the idea that you traded Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith alone for Kyrie Irving on a not on where his contract was expiring to me is they should have to fire the entire. It's not even for all, but they have to fire Mark Cuban because it was such horrible mismanagement that trade. And I just sit back and go, my God. Why there are so many people running basketball teams making big money to do it who just really don't know what the hell they're doing? Well, and and my question to you is, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over now and ask both of you: Is Sean Marks? You mentioned the Kyrie trade and Spencer Dinwiddie and and Finney Smith. Is Sean Marks one of those guys who doesn't know how to run a basketball team? Because look what you look what happened in Brooklyn this year. You end up trading two guys who at one point, when both were healthy on the court with the current team that they had, were the number two team not only in the Eastern Conference, but the number two team in the whole NBA. Kevin Durant goes down with an injury. Apparently, he stubbed his toe coming down the stairs. And all of a sudden, the Nets get blown out by Boston, and then Kyrie demands a trade. They remove him from the team. They don't want him around everybody. They move him and to, to Dallas. My question to you is, does Sean Marks know how to run a team? Tracy, you can go first. Well, I, I've questioned that for about the last year. But at the same time, the pieces that he got back are doing better than the high-dollar talent that he had there. I mean, you think about it. A year ago, you had James Harden in that mix as well. And nobody 
could get cohesive. And that's even with KD and, and Harden having played together before. Um, you know, Harden got out of there and we all, James was being the big crybaby, but when he he talked about it, how toxic he felt that environment was. And now you have all three of them out. And you got um, Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges in there and Spencer and Woody back there and Kenny Smith. And the Nets are a very refreshing team now with, you know, arguably no stars. Well, yeah, so but... That, I think it's the, the assembly of that talent was flawed in a big way because anybody that knew James Harden or Kyrie Irving, like how many flawed personalities and even KD... How many of those can you put on one team and hope to win? But it was a dare-to-be-great move to assemble that team. What I do like about Sean Marks is when it was clear there was too much BS, he pulled the plug and, as Tracy alluded to, got back really nice pieces in return and has set the nets up to right away be competitive again after the right tweak move here and there this summer. I think that the moves that they made, obviously – you're sort of setting yourself up for the future. But at the same time, you know, my my big concern is whether you like a GM or you don't like what's going on with the players, the players are always going to back the players. Yep. And Kyrie and KD are always going to get the benefit of the doubt of their fellow brothers in the NBA. If they're going to go around, um, if they're going to come around and say, hey, this is how we got treated in Brooklyn, don't go there. People are going to listen. So the Nets are going to have a really difficult time drawing in free agents to that to that organization, big-name free agents. But maybe Sean Marks is at that point where I'm like, well, I don't want to draw any more big-name free agents. Let's take with the assets we have. Like, if you look of what they have available during the... Do the Thunder yeah. approach. Yeah, like, if you look at what they have during the offseason, um, you look at what they have, they have... A large trade exception, about twenty million trade exception in the in the Durant trade. Okay, you have draft picks, you have money coming off the books. You have Seth Curry, who's like made it has made it clear, I'm going back to Doc in Philadelphia. He's like, I'm going out the door. Okay, so you have draft picks, but you, obviously you still have the the mess that you have. Um, you know the mess that you have with these draft picks. I'm actually pulling up their salary situation and you're going to understand on how bad of it is you have ben simmons making 35 million this year sitting down on the bench he's making 37 8 and then 40.3 over the next three years Mikel bridges is signed through 20 uh, 25 26 he's making 20.1 then 21.7 then 23.3 and then 24.9 you have dinwiddie next season you have joe harris next season you have Finney Smith all the way through 25-26. You have Royce O'Neal. You have Nick Claxton next season. No more Seth Curry, like I said. You have Patty Mills set up for next year. You have a you have a um, qualifying offer out to Cam Johnson for $8 million. And then everybody else is more or less lower-level lower contracts. So if you're the Nets, you're still, after this team that you have this year, you're still at $146 million as your cap number for next year. And that's not as much talent as you're spending. For sure. Well, it's top-heavy, though, Ben Simmons. The Mavs have the same situation. They've got, like, Bertan. They've got a couple of – and even JaVale McGee, some sort of albatross guys who are not going to play, and you got to spend a bunch of money on them. But 
Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You you work out a buy. If it's me, if I'm Sean Marks, I sit down with Ben Simmons and I say, look, you don't want to play anymore. That's obvious. Whatever is going on, you don't want to play basketball. How much is it going to take? Here's your check. Bam. And move on. And yeah. move move on and let's get past it. And then I, and I got and I'm sorry. I, I just have to throw this out there too. You have to decide whether you want Cam Johnson as part of your future because he's not a number one either. He's not a number one. You're, and you're going to have to overpay him to be a number two or a number three option, number four option, because I look at Mikel Bridges as a number two option. I'm not looking at Mikel Bridges as number one. Tracy, I, I'm dying to hear what you have to say about, about what I'm going crazy about right now with Mikel Bridges being a number two option and Cam Johnson, you know, and what the Nets are going to be doing because the Knicks look like a more desirable team right now than the Nets. And I never thought I would ever say that. I didn't even think we'd say that uh, season, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, you got to admit, you're taking a guy, Mikel Bridges, who played more regular season games this year than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. At least oh, no. I, no. Yeah. He, he's durable. I mean, the guy hasn't you know, he's become Mr. Iron Man. I mean, he's nowhere near Kyle Ripken with the Orioles by any means. But, you know, he is, uh, he is durable. He is talented. Um, he always ran that second in Phoenix very well. Um, so well that I thought Phoenix was actually going to start to disintegrate a little bit with him and Cam being out of there. But um, as I said, when they traded them, uh, KD, I, I said, that gives me a reason to watch the Nets now. And, yeah. you know, backing up onto Ben Simmons, I mean, come on, $35 million, $40 million, that should bear, that should buy one of the psychiatrists because that's what is needed there. Yeah, it's not his back. It's not his back that's the problem. Um, hey, hey, guys, with, with the playoff schedule, let's, let's well, jump is, around. Has to have a spine. <laughs> well, let's let's jump around the playoffs real quick. Uh, we're gonna leave the Milwaukee and Denver series out because they're awaiting to find out who they're who they're gonna go with. But I gotta ask. Let's start in the West: Memphis Grizzlies versus the Los Angeles Lakers. You guys mentioned before that the Grizzlies are, uh, you know, have foam coming from the mouth. So excited to play against the Lakers. In my eyes, the, the, the Grizzlies went from a a favorite team of the NBA. You want to you want to root for them. You love this type of young group story. To man, Memphis has sort of got a rep of being sort of thug life, thug life uh, this year. I, I they're not a very likable team with the way things have sort of gone. I do think they're the better team. My opinion. I'm still going um, Grizzlies in six. Bill Tracy thoughts. I'd be a lot happier with the Grizzlies if Stephen Adams was back in the lineup, and he's not going to be, um, because you're going to have to deal with with uh, Anthony Davis unless he drops a can on his toe before this game starts, and then he'll miss the rest of the playoffs. But I, I still think calling out LeBron, I like Memphis, not the thug stuff that's come out this year has been very disappointing to me. But talent-wise, they're astoundingly good. Yeah. But calling out LeBron, Anthony Davis is really playing like an MVP right now, and you've had nice contributions from point guard positions. You've had – I don't know, man. <laughs> I think if the smart thing to do is to keep your mouth shut about how happy you are to play against LeBron and just go out there and beat him. You know, so yeah. I think – the the X factor in this series to me, talent wise, it's Memphis. I mean, yeah, no question. John Morant is, you know, man, he's incredibly good. 
but you're giving them some poster board, some some uh, fodder for their for their uh, bulletin board in the locker room, and you've got a couple of extremely talented guys in that Lakers locker room who might just want to prove a point, and maybe they still can. So I think that's the X factor. I got Memphis too, but boy, I I wouldn't want to be calling out LeBron. Well, the the benefit of having Stephen. Uh, Adams back on the team as he does look like Jason Momoa, LeBron, father time, and he could put him down, but you got to really give it to, um, you know, from the thug mentality, it's honestly, I know Jaw had the trouble with the, the pistol and, and the video imaging and things like that, but the thug on that team, Dylan Brooks, can't stop yeah. running his mouth. Um, yeah. I don't know if he's Draymond Green, um, he's not to that talent level yet, certainly can't spit game, uh, you know, from his mouth to that level. Um, he's the one giving them that thug image more than more so than Ja Morant is. Ja is back. And fans love him. The athleticism is still there. Um, yeah, Dylan Brooks needs to shut up and let his play do the talking. But the surprise in that series is going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting series. Um, I think out of all the series right now, uh, I think the biggest upset will probably be in the 3-6 series where the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors – Man, did Andrew Wiggins pick the right time to come back? I this is this Bill and I have said this before. Sacramento is going to get a, a, a an education on playoff basketball from the Golden State Warriors. I'm actually calling for the upstate uh, the upset, and I'm actually going to go Warriors in six. I, I don't even think it's an upset. I think the Warriors have had injuries. They've had you know issues. Beyond, you know, Andrew Wiggins had the had the uh, issues with the personal issues stuff that was going on, but he's back. I mean, to me, the, they're the they're the champs, man. I, I mean, yeah. I, I I think if they lose two games, that'll be a lot. Clay Thompson looks phenomenal. Steph Curry is one of the, the guys that you're talking about. He's the one that you're not still talking about what he did, what he can do. He can still do it, and he will. And then. Man, you've got extra Draymond Green, you've got Andrew Wiggins. I like the Warriors an awful lot, not just in this series. Well, as you guys might remember, if you read at the start of the year, I in my preseason articles, I did take Golden State to take it again uh, this year. Uh, granted, they've had their share of troubles and injuries and absences and things like that. But if you look at the, the route there, um, obviously you're always going to have Clay and Steph doing their thing and Draymond facilitating. But the, the impressive thing in Golden State has been the maturation of uh, Jordan Poole and, you know, the fact that he can pull off games where he is the marquee guy, even though he really doesn't try to be. Um, he certainly has been a very excellent supplement to Clay and Steph. Yeah, I think it's that, that's going to be a real fun series. And so is the 4-5 matchup in Outland. The 4-5 out Phoenix and the Clippers. And man, oh, man. I have to say, I have to say, because uh, Paul George will be missed a little bit here. His scoring not being there. Uh, KD, if KD's playing uh, at that team, we don't know what that team really is because KD just hasn't played enough games. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Suns, though, just because when you have one of the best scorers in NBA history on your team, you sort of just have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go, I feel like I'm picking every series in six, but I'm going to go Phoenix in six in this one, too. Just because 
I, I can't totally count out the Clippers. I think that game five, I think they're going to go 2-2, two, two, and that, that game five is going to be won very closely by Phoenix, and that's going to take the heart out of the Clippers. Well, I've said many times that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not complementary talent, and why they wanted to play together didn't make it, never made sense to me, still doesn't. However, Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard are complementary talent, and Russ has gradually become Russ again on this roster and especially with Paul George out. So I think that's what makes the Clippers really dangerous. The difference is Chris Paul is probably the best playmaker in the, in the NBA today. Uh, and certainly in the prime of his career, but I think even still when he's on the court, he is a true uh, virtuoso of, of running the way uh, everything runs on the court. So I think he's the the guy that can really make it work. And Kevin Durant is, if he just stays healthy, doesn't doesn't slip during shoot-around and miss the rest of the playoff. That's always the thing with KD is, okay, are you going to be healthy? If he's healthy, there's no way the Clippers win this series. They probably do get a game, maybe two. They certainly don't get the series. If Kevin Durant gets hurt, you gave up all your depth. When you got him, you can't really afford for him to go down, and Kawhi would eat them alive. So, yes, everybody healthy. I got the Suns five, maybe six, but certainly the Suns. And, and Trace, your, your turn. Do we, still have, do we still have Tracy with us? Can I hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go seven on this. This is the only seven-game series I have of the whole – bracket and you know i think that uh, russ is going to play with a little bit of a chip you know chip back to darwin ham with the comments that he's made um trying to compliment russ and russ is like i'm beyond that i'm on to a to a new thing i think he is he is back to the old russ as you guys mentioned almost two years ago on this very podcast he was never going to be a fit with the lakers um he's back to the old russ um and i don't think that he ever missed being the old Russ. He just wasn't in a position with three alphas on the same team in in Lakerland. So um, the fact that PG's out is great. The fact that him and PG played very well together in Oklahoma City when they were there. When Paul comes back, I think it's going to be beneficial. Um, that's why I think, you know, if we get Paul George back, I think this could go seven. It's the only one I see going seven, but I still have Phoenix pulling it out. And guys, let's transition over to the Eastern Conference, that 4-5 matchup in the East. The Cleveland Cavaliers versus the New York Knicks. I'll be honest with you. Cleveland, for some reason, at certain points of the year, was just not clicking. And there's something about what Jalen Brunson brings to this Knicks team. Look, we all felt that he they overpaid for Brunson. Brunson. He's, but he's really played well for them. So I, I have to say, going with camaraderie, I'm going with my first uh, upset in the Eastern Conference. I'm actually picking the Knicks over the Cavs. Uh, in seven games. I think that one's going to go the full seven. I think Cleveland's going to put up a fight, but I just think Cleveland is still that one veteran away to really help this team understand what winning is all about. You can't deny results, and the Knicks experienced a dramatic turnaround. What was missing was a true point guard, and Jalen Brunson, hey, yes, I thought they overpaid him, but they knew what they were getting, and they got it. Uh, and they, there was a stretch there recently where he missed some games, and they didn't do very well. But he's back, and I think their record is a reflection of those games he missed more so than their talent level. And I agree. 
Cleveland has looked really, really good at times. And they've looked really, really good down the stretch, too. But I think, yeah, the Knicks just have a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder, like they have finally arrived and they belong and they want to prove it. And I think that could be their edge over the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to stick with my boy J.B. Bickerstaff and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I think they're all just a little bit too tall. I mean, you got a lot of height there with Jared Allen and Evan Turner. Um, the way Mitchell's been playing has been, you know, a godsend for uh, for the Cavaliers. And, the, you know, the maceration of Darius Garland has been impressive as well. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of things are going right in Cleveland for, for once and for once in a long time. <laughs> The same yeah. thing in New York as well, but I'm just still not sold on Thibodeau. Um, you know, multiple stops mixed to same results for that guy. Not quite getting getting him over the hump. I think I think uh, New York's success came nice, you know, going into the end of the season and into the playoffs. However, I think uh, they're probably still another season away. There, guys, transitioning over to the Boston Celtics versus the Atlanta Hawks, the number seven seed. Um, look, all this rumor going around about Trey Young, uh, that stuff gets put to the the back burner. The Celtics were unstoppable in the beginning of the year, and I felt like they bought, were brought back down to earth a little bit. Bill and I have been saying it for, I think, the last two or three seasons. The, the Celtics' biggest problem is their lack of, lack of depth in the front court. Rebounding in the half-court game is going to be a problem for them where all five guys are going to have to hit the boards and it usually happens pretty well for them. But sooner or later that luck is going to run out. Al Horford's not going to look good out there with a walker getting rebounds and running down the court with a walker at some points. It just, it's not going to work. Eventually it's going to come back. Now look, can the Atlanta Hawks all of a sudden make this nice magical run and, and push the Celtics to the brink of elimination and maybe show that this can work and the, the regular season's a, a, fo- a Fox. I, I don't know. I don't know. I saw the Atlanta Hawks play over in Brooklyn a couple of weeks ago, and they did not look good. You could Devontae Murray and Trey Young together on the court together. They're like, well, no, I want the ball. No, I want the ball. No, I want the ball. I want the ball. I don't think it's magically going to fix itself like this. Uh, I picked the Celtics in five, and well, the Hawks will handle whatever drama they have at, during the offseason. That'll take care of it come, uh, you know, July 1st. I think that's what's really going to happen here. Uh, I thought the series was already over, to be honest with you. I was, I'm sorry, Chase. I missed the first part of what you said. I, I thought the series was already over, to be honest with you. I think it, for a lot of people it already is. I think the Celtics are already like, man, I can't wait to play the Sixers or the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think that, um, you know, you can go all the way back to Florida's days. I mean, Al Horford, really, come on, by, by size and weight and definition – He's been the center because he can be. He's, I mean, Kevin Duckworth was more of a true center than Al Horford, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Horford's never really been a center. He plays well, don't get me wrong. But I, I told, and Bill may remember this, I told Bill this at the start of the season because I was going to write an article about it. I think the trade should have been, because Draymond was getting in trouble, I think they should have shipped Draymond Green to Boston for Al Horford. I think Horford's game fits better to the uh, Golden State model. Um, I think Draymond Green would have brought them a toughness on the front court, like you said, that they don't have. But then again, Atlanta only has John Collins and Clint Capella. So 
it may be more of a matchup than I think it will be. I think yeah. Clint Capella is going to own the glass. That's one thing Clint has always done well, and he will do well. He will take full advantage in the front court as far as rebounding. But it's the cohesive unit is what the Hawks don't have. And you don't want a playoff series without a kind of like we were talking about Minnesota. Um, you don't have a cohesive unit. And if, you're, if your team doesn't know who's supposed to be where and who gets the ball when, and you don't have those things established by this point, and they don't, and your two guards are not playing off of each other, but rather, you know, taking turns being point guard more or less. Uh, I, yeah, that you're not going to beat a, a seasoned veteran, you know, playoff tested team like the Celtics. Yeah, and I think too that the, you know, the Celts, the Celts have been here before. I know they they, they tasted it last year. They really want to get back to it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Come round one, end around one, beginning around two, and guys, the last series. Obviously, we, again, we, we're not touching the Denver or Milwaukee series because we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. They'll start the playoffs off on Saturday at 1 p.m. on ESPN. And guys, look, I'm not going to sit here and and say that the Nets are going to up upset the Sixers. Embiid is a handful. You have James Harden. You have Maxi. You have PJ Tucker anchoring the defense. Um, the, the the Sixers are a very well balanced team, but the problem is they're very unpredictable because you don't know what Sixers team you have coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel very very uncomfortable having my center out there shooting threes. I feel that Embiid at times does not want to be in the paint because he just doesn't want to get hurt with all the yeah. banging bodies. What the Nets are lacking in this series is rebounding and height to compete against Embiid. Now their regular season battles uh, right after the Durant trade. The Nets and the Sixers played in Brooklyn and had a very close game. They played the last game of the season, but the Nets rested all their guys. Cam Thompson, Cam Thomas, sorry, Cam Thomas went off for 46 points. The Sixers would not let him get to 50. They were double, triple teaming him in a blowout uh, win. I, guys, I think what the the Nets are out of all the teams in the Easter Conference, the Nets are the biggest wild card. They finished under 500 after the Irving and Durant trades. Uh, but like it was only like a game or two under 500, but they have a lot of pieces that can make you worry. And for the fact that you can't leave anybody really open, you're not going to double Mikel Bridges because you can give it to Cam Johnson. He can hit three. If you get to a situation where you bring Cam Thomas in off the bench, he can score in bunches. We've seen that multiple times this year. Can the Nets actually make this a series and possibly even pull an upset? I'm not, I'm saying no. I'm going to stick with my my role of series and six. I'm going to sixers and six, but the Nets are really going to be in every single game. I agree. They're tough. They've got depth. They've got uh, veteran leadership. I, I can't I can't say enough about Spencer Dinwiddie. He's one of the most intelligent players in the game, and that makes a huge difference on the court. That basketball IQ, as well as just overall IQ, especially when it's your point guard, and I think. James Harden, the more important the game is, the more of a ghost he becomes. Can you make it all about Joel Embiid having to go out and score 60 points? And if you do, you beat, you beat, you're going to beat him. I mean, we've seen that a million times with a million different players. Michael Jordan scores 50, they lose. Akeem scores 50, they lose. That, you, you have to have the whole team involved. So I, my prediction is very, very competitive, and it may go six, and that wouldn't surprise me in the least. 
But when it comes down to it, when you win a playoff series, it's because you have your guy that you know when the game's on the line is going to make the right play. And Joel Embiid is that guy for the Sixers. And that, I think, is the edge for them versus, yeah, they've got Maxi, they've got Tobias Harris, Harden. They've got a lot of guys who can contribute. But when the game's on the line, they know who the guy is. And the Nets, I don't believe, have figured that out. I'm not even sure they have that guy yet. Well, they, they don't have that guy, but they do have one thing that the Sixers have lacked for a long time, and it's consistency. I think it boils down to a really quick and short analysis. It's on James Harden, 110%. Mm-hmm. Guy disappeared completely last year, so can he make up for that this year? Can he be the James Harden that carried the Houston Rockets for so long, or will he be the James Harden who disappears? Um, your other guy that you mentioned, Garland High School's own, Wendell Maxey. Yep. Um, so it, it should be. An, I'm sorry. What did I say, Wendell? Our old friend, Maxie. <laughs> Our old friend who I was just seeing something. That's why I said that because it popped yeah. up on my phone. He's doing a story on the, the basketball league. Uh, my bad. Yeah, Maxie, your guy. Uh, Garland High School. Tyrese. That mm-hmm. guy, not the old white guy writing TBL. Yeah. I think it's on Maxie and Harden. I mean, especially on Harden. I mean, he's got a lot to prove after walking away from New Jersey, calling it dysfunctional. There I go again. Brooklyn, calling it dysfunctional. <laughs> and uh, and then and then disappearing himself. So it's on him hardcore this year. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think one other part of it, too, is if for some reason the, the Nets can somehow – pull this off the Sixers are going to be in a state of flux that we've never seen before you mm-hmm. thought you thought losing to Atlanta two seasons ago people in Philadelphia were calling for people's heads you lose to Brooklyn it's 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 not it's not pretty um guys the only other thing I really have for you guys right now is the uh the collective bargaining agreement has been ex- has been extended they were able to get a deal together compared to other sports and other leagues the NBA seems to really like you're seeing Adam Silver, Michelle Roberts, and all the people that need to be in those conversations all sitting together at times, getting along very nicely. Whereas in the NFL, <laughs> the Players Association, people don't want to be seen with the owners or Goodell or anything else like that. I, I think that the NBA is in good hands. I just going back to a comment we made earlier. The, the only thing that needs to happen is we need to figure out who the star, the main star of the league is going to be tomorrow. LeBron James is, you know, is on its way out a little bit. So now we have to understand who is it going to, who's it going to be? Yeah, I don't even have a guess. Is it, is it uh, Wimbayama? Is it going to be Chet Holmgren? Is it going to be, I don't think it's Pablo, Paolo. Uh, is it, is it going to be Luca? Maybe it'd be hard for it to be Luca without a better team around him. But I don't have any confidence that he's going to have a better team around him. So, yeah, is it somebody for a while? I thought, man, when Zion got healthy, wow, it's going to be Zion, but it's regular. Oh, I, n- I never believed in Zion Williams. Yeah, you know, there's a million big guys that were so great when they were healthy and couldn't stay healthy. I mean, hell, Anthony Davis for that matter. But, um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not convinced that we have that guy. Is it Trey Young? Does he go to a, does he go to a different team? Does he go to Portland or somewhere? And, and the thing that has to click for all these young players always, forever in the history of the league, 
does it click and he becomes that guy maybe but i wouldn't put money on it so yeah that's that's a big question when when you think about when magic and larry bird and dr j and those guys were retiring we had the golden age we had michael jordan we had akeem olajuwon we had stockton and malone we had like there was another wave of guys ready and when those guys retired you had tim duncan you had steph curry you had lebron there was another wave and you knew who they were going to be when the lebron kd steph when that group is gone it is definitely a tbd as to who that next wave of players is going to be Well, we, we we thought it, we thought it was going to be Luca, um, talent wise, uh, image wise. I mean, he smiled versus LeBron's growl. Uh, he doesn't bitch at the refs. He flirts with, with the female referees instead of bitching at the refs like LeBron does. So we thought it was the baton was going to be handed to Luka Doncic. However, I think honestly, I think uh, if the league has this way, it's going to be John Moran. Yeah, we'll see. We'll say. I, I, I think I honestly think it should be the person who doesn't use load management for an entire year. I think they should get to be the face of NBA 2K after that. Is that the only think, one playing? So Macal Bridges. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I like Alexander. I mean, you know, I just don't know if he's got the star thing about him, but I love Shea Gildas Alexander too. Man, and he so far is not a. <laughs> you can't leave Booker out of the conversation. I'm going to throw Anthony Edwards into the conversation because I love the leadership he took during All-Star Week and calling out his fellow All-Stars about not wanting to play and not playing a full season. You know, I, I hate to say it, sometimes you need to have a guy who's just going to push back against the norm. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's something to think about. Guys, we're against the clock. I'd like to thank Tracy Graven for uh, coming on the show today. I always, as always, the basketball master. As the basketball master Bill Ingram, as always, I'm Randy Zellier from BackSportsPage.com. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. We'll be back next week, recapping the first couple of games. Let's hey, hey Randy, right. Randy, yes, sir. Before, before you close, we got to give it up to Mike Brown, voted Coach of the Year today. Mike, oh, yeah, that was talk about no brainer. I mean, no question, yeah. Mike Brown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I would have possibly made the argument for um for. For Oklahoma City, what what they've done this year, they've sort of bounced back a little bit. But playing tournament compared to the number three seed in the Western Conference, it's not yeah. much of a conversation. So, they've been since Pager retired, you know, left. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's been a long time, but they almost had to bring it back Arco Arena. So, <laughs> <laughs> for Bill Ingram, I'm Randy Zellia. We'll see you next time here on the Huddle. <laughs>